Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. I'm really excited tonight. We're jumping into a brand new series called Better Together. Um, And I feel like as I write my sermons out, I have a couple different ways of doing that, but it's funny. I feel like I'm a broken record sometimes because I genuinely get super excited when I say, like, I'm excited with this new series, but then I say that every single time we have a new series. So you guys are probably like, yeah, yeah, Philip, let's move on, right? But I'm super excited about this one for a couple reasons why. Uh, I don't think I need to sell you on it, but just to tell you what my personal things are I'm excited about. The last couple series we've done uh, have been, I think, very pivotal for our church. We've talked a lot about some really great things, and I explained even before we started into the Kings and Kingdoms series that I think there would be some light bulbs turned on. There would be some opportunities for you to learn and grow into some new areas. And several of you, through uh, our family gatherings, when you shared, or through just personal conversations, shared with me how much you learned in the process and how God kind of revealed some new things for you. And so those are awesome. We're all about helping God connect our our minds and also our hearts to how he's moving and stirring. One of the things that, uh, although it does happen in that series, absolutely, but one of the things that we want to spend a lot of time with in this series is talking about our hands and feet. Practically speaking, what does it look like for us as a church to be on mission in community. And so we're going to spend the next five weeks, including tonight, in this series called Better Together. It'll take us up into the Christmas season. And in this series, we're going to talk through a couple of different things. And honestly, most of the things that you'll hear tonight are probably not uh, groundbreaking, earth-shattering. But I promise you tonight, because I know at least for me, there were several things tonight that I'm convicted and challenged with that I believe God is inviting me and inspiring me to move and change aspects of my own life. And so my heart tonight for us as a church and throughout this series is not to give you some great fancy new Hebrew word for community, but it's to help you unpack maybe the first step in taking better advances into your community. And I think, I think if we could start with some practical tools in your tool belt, I think all of us in the room tonight, regardless of where you are on the spectrum of Christ follower or skeptic or doubter or someone who was dragged here against their will, right, regardless of where you are on the spectrum, I think we can all make an, an absolute uh, positive step forward towards looking at how we can live in community better together. And so uh, just to kind of get started tonight, I figured we don't do a whole lot of like interactive things, but I thought what a great way to kind of kick things off tonight. Instead of you guys just hearing me tell you all the right answers, I want to hear from you. It'll kind of help uh, share some of the things that we do throughout this series. So if you're on that side of the room, um, I'm going to write as big as I can, but I'm going to say it out loud as well for people that are on the podcast listening and for you guys across the room. But my first question to you is just simply, and this is a blurted out, so, you know, take it easy on me. I'm writing, listening, and so, you know. Don't overwhelm me. Uh, But the first question I want to ask you just about community in general tonight is, what benefits do you find from being in relationship or from being in community with other people? Nicole, if you could throw that slide up there on the screen, I think we have that question. I'm hoping we do at least. But if not, it's okay. I'll repeat it to you guys. What benefits do you have from being in relationship or from being in community with other people? Support? Awesome. What else? 
Yep. Sharing the load. What else? All right, so let's see. Uh, sharing in community with the Lord is the benefit that you're, is that you're speaking to? The, the, God, the God's strength is... All right, sharing in community with the Lord. We'll write that up here. What else? Accountability, love it. Actually, I don't like it, but I need it, right? So accountability. What else? Okay, help me with what I'm putting up on the board, Jeff. <laughs> Force, multiplier. Force multiplier. If you're on the podcast, Jeff's a lot of really brilliant things, but we eliminated it down basically to force multiplier. Laugh? Yeah, laughter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Laughter, I'll add, I'll hyphen that with joy. Right? We find joy and laughter from being in community together. What are other benefits that you gain from being in community? Shared wisdom. Thanks, Leah, via Neil. Shared. I know. She's too busy talking at Halloween to everybody. Living on mission, doing that amazing work that you do. What else? Say again. Visibility. I thought you said disability. I was going to ask you to explain more, but I'm glad that's not what you said. All right, visibility. What else? Vulnerability. What else? Other benefits from being a really. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Advice. Gain advice from others, and again, the wisdom from other believers collectively together. Anybody have anything else? Growth. Growth. Expand, please, whoever shared. Yeah. Yep, so your perspective is, is expanded because you're seeing other people's uh, growth and their perspectives are helping us grow. Absolutely. What else? Yeah, benefit. Yep. Yep. How does it benefit? How does it? Um, how does it make your life better? How does it improve your life? Or relationships in general. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Free babysitting. 
Amen to that. And, and all joking aside, right, I mean, like, our missional community has roughly anywhere between 8 to 15 kids on any given week that show up to the Lynn Haven missional community. And so this is not about just simply babysitting. It's a matter of helping a tribe of people raise your kids to love Jesus and love the world around them. And what that looks like is absolutely impacted their worldview around community, right? So babysitting is awesome. I'm all about some free babysitting. But the awesome thing that we build upon that, right, is that our communities not just watch the kids, but our communities invest in our kids because they are equally sent on mission as we are, right? And that's important that we don't lose sight of that in the process. All right, cool. We can spend a lot more time on this. Any last thoughts? We'll move on to the next question. Sense of belonging. Sense of belonging. Love it. Sorry, guys, I'm getting smaller, so I'm guessing you guys can't see anything I'm writing anymore, but that's okay. Awesome. Next question. We're going to use blue for this one. What's hard about being in relationship or being in community with others? So what's difficult, what's hard, what's challenging, what's your struggle? We got to roll out with this one. All right. A lot of options. All right. So one at a time, Daniel. All right. Time-consuming, we have vulnerability, is that what you said? Perfect, we have that somewhere else up here, right? Somewhere, I'm going to repeat that here. What else? Yep, so different personalities. What else? This one should be easy. Conflict, yeah. Adrian? All right, so... That's wrong. You want to go the other direction. You don't want to add words. We want to, we want to like, summarize. All right, um... Yeah, you're, um, it's hard to run away. Is that a better, is that, can I use that phrase? You're exposed. Ooh, there we go. Love it. There we go. What else? Yep. So accountability. Yeah. Yeah. So different stages of life. And obviously that within that we're talking kids, no kids, hard times, good times, right? There's a lot of things that's encapsulated into that idea, different stages of life. Good, thanks, Connie. What else? You guys are giving me hard words to spell. Inherent expectations. Is it an ENT or ANT? ENT, yes. Yep. 
Yeah, that word expectations is a loaded word within community, right? I expect you to do something, you have expectations of me. Those expectations can absolutely cause conflict in the process uh, and make it difficult to do life together. What else? Yeah. Ex- yeah. Within that expose, I'm going to draw that over here. And again, uh, unwanted accountability. What else? Healthy boundaries. What's healthy for me may look different than what's healthy for Dave, right? And so understanding what healthy boundaries look like. Uh, if Steve were in here, I'd pick on him about personal space, right? Healthy personal space. Steve stands up right beside you and wants to, like, get real close. And some, I mean, I'm, I'm a hugger, so I'm down with some, you know, close proximity. But sometimes I, I need a little arm room, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but within that, all joking aside, right, we had different expectations of how we behave, how we have boundaries, both uh, – Nonverbal and verbal, right? What else? Okay. Ooh, don't want some shade. Unmet expectations. Ooh, pet peeves. Love it. There we go. Less of alone time? The lack of alone time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lack of alone time. Anything else want to go on the board? We've covered everything that you guys have a hard time with in community. Because Mike is taking notes because he's preaching on this in two weeks. So if you didn't say it, you can't come to Mike and say, hey, man, that's a new one. I didn't know that, that one, right? Cool. The reality is, right, I mean, I can't see it from your perspectives, but, like, community is messy, right? Like, community in general, the good, the bad, all of it is messy. And at the end of the day, for all of us, that choice to, to do life together and be in community is, is one that we have to consciously choose. Do I want to opt in or opt out of this conversation? You don't just, like, nine times, ten times, you don't just like fumble in the community, right? It's a choice that do I want to be in or do I want to do it by myself? Right? If some of you guys who are achievers in the room, you're natural go-getters, people that like to accomplish tasks, right? The hard thing within community is it's very easy for you to knock ten things off your list before the community would get to the third thing, maybe even the first thing at times, right? And this is where I sometimes can be guilty of this. So I can run laps at times and around people or around things we're doing because I want to get to the next thing that we're doing as a community when the community and development is happening and I'm missing it because I'm trying to do the next thing, right? And so for all of us, wherever you fall, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, whether you're a pioneer or whether you're a settler, meaning you just want to develop the ground and kind of where you are, wherever you are in the personalities that God's designed, each of us have, they're beautiful, but when you put it into the mixing pot together, it gets messy, right? 
And so it's easy, right? I remember in middle school we had this game we would do in youth group where we had a blender, right? And uh, let's say Dave and I were playing against each other as a table of food, and we both had blenders on both sides, and we would pick which foods we wanted to put in each other's blender. We would go back and forth. So I'd put, like, ice cream in Dave's blender, and he would say, like, uh, spinach, right? I'd be like, that was rude. Ketchup, right? And then he would go yams, right? And so we would go back and forth. And at the end of it, after, like, ten items were done, you'd blend the things, and whoever didn't puke at the end of it won the game, right? It's a perfect middle school youth group game, right? But the reality is we cannot choose the things that are put in our blenders within community, right? I don't get to pick the favorite ice cream flavors I want or my favorite toppings and put into a pretty little milkshake and do community that way, right? We try really hard to make community a la carte how we want it done. But the reality is there's a bunch of crap put in our blender that we didn't choose and how we choose to, to move forward within that is up to you and me. And too often, whether you're a Christ follower or not, you end up walking away saying, Man, I'm just going to walk away because this isn't worth it. So tonight, I want to kind of unpack a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. If you were here a few weeks ago, we did this Kings and Kingdoms series. Solomon, again, an incredibly wise man, talks about the benefits of being in a community. So this is going to kind of be the building block for at least the rest of the conversation tonight and probably throughout most of the series as well. So it's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 12. It'll be up here on the screen if you want to follow along with your Bibles or Bible app. It's, again, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Solomon writes, two people are better off than one, for if they can help each other succeed, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Living community is really hard. It's super hard. And as a church, we talk a lot about being a missional community church. And so I'm hoping tonight I'm not having to twist your arm to understand why we're a missional community church. But what I want to do is maybe just open your eyes to the bigger picture of kind of the DNA of God's plan for missional communities within our church. Because I think once we kind of understand what each of our roles are within this, we can, we can actually make some, uh, some greater progress as a church, collectively, uh, communally in your missional communities, and individually in your families as well. And so my first kind of thought that I, as I was kind of mulling over tonight, that I thought would be just a great, again, building block for us to start with, is that living on community, or, or rather living in community, is the primary tool that God uses to carry out his mission and to care for his people. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's got two main purposes. And this is why we don't have Bible studies in small groups within Awakened Church, because most of those are, are typically funneled around the latter part of that, to care for his people, or to care for your spiritual development. And most of that ends up being knowledge and heart-based. Hopefully it leads to some hands and feet stuff, but most of the time it stops at, at the head and heart. But a missional community is dual-purposed, right? God says, hey, I want to use it to not only help you care for each other in your community, but to also care for the mission that I'm about. And when we choose to do both of those things together, God is, God's kingdom is absolutely brought from heaven to earth. We begin to peel back the curtains of God's kingdom here presently on this side of heaven when we live on mission and when we equally care for each other. 
And some of you are wired as natural evangelists. You're people that like to gravitate towards the mission side, and we need you, right? You're helpful in this, in this journey that we're on as a church. And some of you are shepherds, right? And you're natural caretakers. And you're here because we absolutely need to do a better job of caring for each other within the body of Christ. At the end of the day, all of us have a role within how God has wired us and called us to live in community. But if we're only doing one part, individually and corporately within our church, we're absolutely missing the mark and we're only being a one-sided, dull sword at the end of the day. Our church will never be fully effective to carry out God's plan for us if we only live into one side of it. I was thinking this week as I kind of reflected back on my personal journey around the struggles of community. And I thought about uh, a couple of things. So when I was in my early 20s, God uh, called me to plant a church on a college campus. And I was ordained at 20 years old. Uh, This church kind of just fell in my lap to some degree with kind of how God chose to use it. And one of the things that I learned so early on, especially when you choose to do community within a young adult and a college age group uh, world, It's just how messy it can be to help other people understand the value of living in community. It's so messy. And I think sometimes we just want to avoid the hard conversation, just jump to like, yeah, yeah, but just go do it, right? And one of the things that I heard so often, which I still hear 12 years later today, I think it's the number one struggle right now, I would say, within the American church, within this concept of how do I live on mission, It's right now we are trying so hard to figure out how do I fit the sliver of God into my crazy life, my schedule, my job, my career, my finances. How do I fit the little bit of God that I can add into wherever I can find space for God in my life, right? If I could just find a little bit more time for God personally or in my career or in my family or in my neighborhood, man, look at what God could do in the process, And I think we will continue to fail when it comes to how we help other people understand God's mission when we're continuing to ask the wrong question. The question is not, how do we add God into our lives? This directly speaks to this highly individualistic American Christianity that is plaguing the American church right now because it makes it about you and me at the end of the question, right? How can I fit God into my life? How can I fit God into my schedule? How can I fit God into my finances? And so what I would, and I wrote this down once, and I'm not sure I'll ever be able to say it again well. So we fit into his redemptive plan for his kingdom, and then it radically changes the dysfunctional patterns that we are living. So instead of God fitting into our lives, I would say this way, we fit into his redemptive plan. His plan, big picture, right? Redeem all humanity and and the earth back to him, right? That is the redemptive plan of God. And we do that for his kingdom's sake. It's his kingdom. It's his mission. It's not our plans. It's not your hopes. It's not your dreams. It's his kingdom. It's his plan. And when we choose to submit under that and within that as ambassadors of the kingdom, it radically changes the dysfunctional patterns that we've created individually within our families and within our community and the American culture at large. I guarantee you, if we were to live within God's paradigm and not the paradigm that we live in and then fit God into it, right, it would totally change how people view the church, Big C Church, right? Everybody collectively. But at the end of the day, that question really comes down to stewardship for me as I thought about it. 
Stewardship is one of the pathways that we have. It's the, we have 12 pathways here that we talk about regularly at Awaken that kind of help us understand where God is moving us forward on the journeys uh, as we kind of grow and progress as Christ followers. It's our discipleship tools that we use here. And within these 12 pathways, stewardship is absolutely what we talk a lot about. And it comes up often around finances, right? But the reality is stewardship is way bigger than finances. Because before we can understand how do we are better together in community, if you truly believe that your life is your own, that your time is your own, that your money is your own, that your house is your own, that your schedule is your own, that your family is your own, then you will never understand how to do life on community together. You'll never understand how to do life within community and see the benefits of being in community. Because at the end of the day, you're asking the question of, what do I get out of this? What, is it, what does it help me in the process? But stewardship says, hey, God's given me all these things. It's his life that he's given me. It's his time that he's allowed me to have. It's his money that he's asked me to care for. It's his house that I live in. It's his kids that he's called me to raise. All of those things roll back to who God is. And we understand that it absolutely impacts how we live on mission together. But too often we treat Christianity, our personal faith, as if what can I get out of it, right? What can I personally do? And this is why there's this great sin of individualism within our church. And that's the big C church, not just Awakened Church, right? Everyone, right? We all struggle with that. And so I've been asking this question a lot because in my personal life and within my family and friends right now, God's kind of had me on a personal journey of, of going back. And I hate to admit it because it just seems so cheesy, but it's, I can't think of a better way of saying it, it, is the ageless question that I heard as a kid and I had a bracelet for, what would Jesus do, right? WWJD. And it's because in my life right now, I'm having so many conversations with people that are followers of Jesus and people that are not yet followers of Jesus around some pretty big topics. And it would be very easy for me to theologically just excuse away or explain certain things. But instead, God's taken me on a journey around, okay, God, what does this actually look like for Philip and, and for, for my life? What, does it look like? what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to say? What are you asking me to believe in the process? And so, right, whether it's about politics, right, we have a president right now who is who's very polarizing. Whether you like him or not, he's a polarizing figure. And so he comes up a lot in conversations that I have with people, right? And whether, you, again, you like him or not, he enjoys the polarization, right? He enjoys being the topic of the conversation at your dinner table, at your coffee shop, at your local bar, wherever you find yourself, God finds a way, sorry, Trump, not God, sorry, Trump finds a way into that conversation, right? It happens all the time, right? And within, within the things that we're talking about pertaining to Trump, Right? We have huge elections, right? This upcoming week, we've got elections, right? You're already starting to see stuff for next year coming up, right? You've got presidential debates happening right now. And as a result, there's all these things that are taking place that put politics in front of what you're talking about. And maybe some of you hate talking about politics, but you cannot avoid it. So the question becomes not how do you stick your head in the sand, right? But what is Jesus calling you to do pertaining to politics, Right? There are hot cultural topics right now within our world, right? Whether it's things like homosexuality or just sexual identity in general, right? People that are, that are a part of the LBGTQ plus community are people that represent a world of people that the church has oftentimes marginalized, oppressed, and sent off to the side. 
And so it becomes a very polarizing topic within the church and people that I know that are Christians, regardless of their politics, regardless of where they stand, of what do I do with this, right? you got people who are very pro things like building a wall or people that are very against things like immigration. So you have all these hot topics that come up constantly in your life. And then finally, within the Christian world, right, we've got people who say things and do things that represent very different ideas from what I read about with Jesus. Guys like Joel Olstein, right, who all of a sudden will say something, and it seems it feels really, really nice and easy and good in your, in your heart. But the reality is when you put up to the test of where I see God's heart in the process, man, it's far from the truth. And I'm not here sitting here saying I'm better than anyone else. I'm saying as I question things and ask questions and conversations that are coming up for me, people that are not yet Christ followers ask the question, hey, how can you guys align yourself with a guy like this? Or you have other people like Stephen Furtick, one of the most popular American pastors right now in our culture, who will say just about anything to get an applause, to say something to get you excited in the process. And again, I'm not here to say one thing good or one thing bad. I'm here to tell you that right now within our lives, you're having conversations with people within the church and outside of the walls of the church in our community that absolutely can help us either isolate away from community or press into community. And a lot of it comes back to the basic question of what would Jesus do? What's Jesus' perspective on this conversation? It's not about you and I having the right answer to the questions that are being asked. Because if you look through the Gospels of Jesus, right, all four accounts, he answers two questions directly, and all the other ones, he answers it with another question, a parable, a confusing story, or something else, right? So if you were to go to Jesus today, man, we would love to ask all the questions. And Jesus would frustrate the you-know-what out of you and I. Because instead of answering the questions, he would give you more questions. Because he's about the transformative journey that he takes you on, being in community. So the reason why we believe at Awakened Church that it's God's plan that you're in community is not because it's easy, but because we don't believe there's any other way to live out the gospel. It's impossible to live into the gospel, God's best for his people, the saving, redemptive power of Jesus. It's impossible to understand what that looks like if you simply do this on your own. This is not a solo mission. Right? We are in community together. So I mentioned this a minute ago. I just want to put it up here again. The greatest sin, in my opinion, within the American church or that the American Christian commits is the sin of individualism. Man, I'm all about you finding time in your life to pull away with God. I'm all about you understanding the power of solitude, of meditation, and not needing to be codependent on other people. You put up here one more time for me, Nicole, if you don't mind. But the sin of individualism is absolutely at the core of so many things that we do. I wrote down some questions that I ask myself. So maybe, maybe you guys are all perfect at this. This is my struggle, right? So confessions of a pastor time. What do I want? Where do I want to live? What jobs do I want? What people do I want to hang out with? What ways do I want to spend my time, my money, my energy? How do I want to do church? What do I want my church experience to look like? Is this what I want right now? What do I feel like doing? Do we hear ourselves, right, when we ask these questions? Not, God, what are you asking us to do? God, what's better for my community? God, what's best for my neighborhood? There are times when you're on a solo mission, right? I'm not denying that life's always going to be great in community. 
But when you choose to build a deck for a disabled, when you choose to take care of your neighbor's kids and let mom and dad go on a date night, when you choose to feed the homeless on Thanksgiving and invite your neighbors to go with you, when you choose to do things, people pay attention. They watch when you're raking your, lab- your neighbor's leaves. They watch what you're doing. And when you choose to do something for the betterment of other people, it's absolutely contagious and people gravitate towards other people that are doing this. This is why we have a missional community because it's not about telling someone, hey, here are the five steps to becoming a Christian, right? We don't carry tracks in our missional communities, right? We never will for that matter, right? The goal is not to tell them the Roman road. The goal is to introduce them to what Jesus looks like, to show them what transformation looks like. I want to put these last couple references of scripture up here if you're a note taker tonight. But some of the things that we're going to challenge you with throughout this series, over 50 times in the New Testament, this phrase, one another, comes up. We want to build each other up within community. I want you to share your table often. I want you to practically find ways to show compassion. I want you to partner up, right? You can do more for the kingdom of God together than you ever could on your own. And then finally, I want us to enjoy each other, right? The passage in Psalms says, man, what great delight I can find in the unity of a brotherhood. There's something powerful about each of the different levels and components of community. But if we run for the hills and do it ourselves, we will miss the greatest adventure that God's called the church to be on. For the next several weeks as we kind of do this series together, we're going to add a responsive station. It'll be up here at the center of the stage every week. This responsive station has about 25 simple, practical things that you can do to start figuring out how to do life better. They're all others-based. They're all about other people, right? Watch your neighbor's kids. Walk your neighbor's dog. Buy a cup of coffee with a stranger. Have your neighbor over for dinner. Send someone a handwritten card, right? These are not complicated things, right? They're all things that we can all do. But they're going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your convenience. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost your isolation. It's going to cost you a lot of things. But Jesus is interested in changing and transforming us and understanding how we surrender those things over to the Lord, whether it's an insecurity, whether it's an anxiety, whether it's our comfort, whatever it is, these things help us take that one step outside the box. So if tonight's the only night you do it, at least just do it tonight, at some point during this next worship set, come up here and grab one of these slips. I promise you, you can do something up here. If you're feeling ballsy, grab two, right? If you're feeling dangerous, go for, go for three, right? Whatever you want to do. But in the process, I would say grab one, two, or three, and then they'll be up here every week, right? So a little Russian roulette of living on mission, right? See what's going to happen, right? But in the process, I think absolutely God can speak through these practical moments because part of it is just you and I taking that first step outside the boat, getting out there and figuring out, God, where are you calling me to go? None of these things are like save someone or drag someone to church. That's not in here, okay? Just so that we're clear. The goal is not that you bring someone here, it's that you go to them. Amen? We're better together on community. Let's pray.
Holy Spirit, we as a church ask that you would inspire and move us, that you would lead us into kingdom-sized conversations, not that those conversations result by default into a salvation conversation or someone joining the family of God, but that we would believe that your kingdom is at work in every day from the moment that we get up until the moment that we go to bed. It's existing all around us. God, would you cause a mindset shift to occur within us and how we treat our neighbors, how we treat our coworkers, how we invite our kids on mission with us, how we view our time. God, I pray for my own life, God, that you would find ways to peel back ways that I can live into this better. And then, God, I pray that you would take the tools that happen in this series and even in these simple moments and you would help them to grow our families, our lives individually, our missional communities, and our church. Because you're a God who's about changing lives and you somehow believe that using the messed up brokenness of the church and the community is the vehicle that you choose that you want to use to usher in your kingdom. So God, as we fit into your plans, as we fit into your kingdom, would you help us take the first step? In Jesus' name, amen.